Come on, can we sing that again? No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. God, there's no place we'd rather be. No place I'd rather than right here. Hearing your love, hearing your love. Come on, sing that out. No place I'd rather be. Do you enjoy the presence of God? No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your sweet, sweet spirit. God, we thank you for the peace that comes into the room. God, when you walk, when you walk in, God, there is a peace. There is rest, God. And so we thank you, God, for the presence of God in this room. Does anybody just feel at peace? Just like the whole week is just, just whatever happened is just gone. And it's just you and God. Can we just give him praise right now? God, thank you for the peace that you bring that surpasses all understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, like Pastor Nate said, my name is uh, Pastor Ben. And I had like this whole thing written out and it's like, okay, so I got to like adjust it. Um, but like Pastor Nate said, we fly out Tuesday evening to California to see what our next season is going to look like. It's, it's definitely going to be uh, sunny with a slight breeze. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but we are like, we're packed. I'm playing Tetris with this one pod. We're like, we're selling anything that doesn't fit. And um, we, are, we shipped our cars. Our cars are being shipped to California, hopefully to California, or they're not being sold to the cartel for parts. We're hoping that we can just trust that guy. Um, but it's an honor to have been a pastor here for the last two years. I'm so happy to have gotten to know all of you, some of you, Michael. Um, <laughs> we've shared meals together, uh, we've laughed together, we've prayed together, and you guys have loved on me and my family. Um, in so many amazing ways. My kids, my kids playing with some of your kids right now. Um, some of your kids have babysat my kids. Um, and so just to the church family, I just want to say thank you for loving on us and welcoming us and just letting us just come back and feel like we're at home. And to the, the pastoral staff, I want to thank all of you. You guys all did something for us that helped us brother doug came over helped us with house stuff stefan pushed me and asked me tough questions pastor nate just poured into me every single resource that he possibly could and you guys have just loved on us so the pastoral staff i just want to say thank you pastor nate pastor lisa thank you guys for welcoming us and just believing in us um you know i remember living in california when um, Pastor Nate's son, Josh, lived with us. And he was like, you should work for my dad, dude. That'd be so cool. You should, you should totally go work for my dad. And it was like, oh, that's, is that even an option? Okay. And so that, Josh planted the seed. <laughs> you can thank Josh. Um, you know, but you called us over from Wisconsin, and you guys have poured into us. And we are so thankful. So from our family to yours, we just, we love you guys so, so much. And we are definitely going to miss all of you, but as, as much as I'm going to miss all of you guys, I'm going to miss the youth students a little bit more. I love you guys, but I miss, I'm going to miss the youth students 
a little bit more to the youth group. We started on Zoom. Can you believe that? We started on Zoom, the struggle bus. We wrote it. We wrote it through Zoom, and to see where all of you are at now is absolutely incredible. Um, we did life every single Wednesday, even though sometimes I didn't know if there was life inside of you guys on Wednesday. Um, but seeing all of you guys at camp, I think we had everybody but two students go to camp. And I'm telling you, these kids just, I didn't recognize them. I did, and I'm like, is that, is that where you've been this whole time? These kids came to life at camp. They, they literally said, so we went with eight other churches, these huge churches with these 150 student youth groups, and our church of 20 set the tone for worship, they set the tone for prayer, they, they were doing chants for the red team, um, they were jumping during competitions, they were going all out, the boys made it to the dodgeball championship, it was, it was absolutely epic. They during worship, they had like, kids, they just had like this mosh pit had formed right in front of the altar. Kids are just jumping, worshiping. And I got in there and I was like, the kids are lifting their hands. I'm like, nope, nope. These kids missed the bathroom rule or something. Like it just smelled like you just dumped sweaty junior high boy all over that floor. So I was just like, you know what? We're just going to take a step back from this. Um, yeah, we had some awesome, I had to take this picture. This is a handful of our youth group just praying for each other during worship. Camp was absolutely incredible. It was amazing. It was everything that I had hoped for. Students, I hope you told your parents. I hope the, parent, I hope the students didn't say, it was fine. It was good. Because I'm telling you, they were hyped. I made them stay up late. I had to do night watch at 1 a.m. Lights out was at midnight. And so I just went in there and I was like, I'm just going to keep you guys up for an hour so I don't have to just sit by myself. But we had, a, we had an awesome time. Um, and it stinks to leave you guys. I love you guys. Students, leaders. I wanted to say a quick shout out to Malachi and Bree. They were our camp leaders and we couldn't have done it without them. Can you clap it up for them? I just saw, there's Malachi. I see you. I had people coming up to me telling me, they're like, your leaders are incredible. I'm like, I know they're the best leaders ever. And so I'm so thankful for them. And okay, before I start ugly crying, we're going to get into the message. All right. I got wrecked at camp. I got wrecked at camp. The students got wrecked at camp. It was just, it was a sob fest. They were all crying on each other's shoulders, just tears. And they just, the kids just like let go. They just felt so free. And so next year, same thing. Send the kids to camp. Send the kids to camp. Amen. All right. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you did at camp. We thank you for what you are doing in this church. And we thank you that the future of the church is in good hands. And so I pray that you bless them. I pray that you anoint them. I pray that you anoint this church, God. I pray that you let it be a beacon of hope, a beacon of light, God, for the city, for the communities, for the schools around it, God. And so we thank you for this church. I thank you for your word. I pray that you speak through me, God, and help me to speak clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as much as I'd like to regret, I turned 27 this year. And I could not believe that when I found out I turned 27 this year. But I have, I have called 13 places home. Three places in Michigan, one place in Wisconsin, and nine in California. Um, but when I think of home, I think of Grand Ledge, Michigan. 
Um, I think of my huge backyard. I think of the trampoline that had a net, but there were like holes in it because the trampoline was right next to the fire pit. So the fire would just kind of just let the ashes fly into the trampoline. Um, I think of, we had this pole barn next to the house where I helped my dad with different construction projects. I think of snow days, hitching our sled to a four-wheeler. Who's ever done that? You hitch, you hitch some sleds to a four-wheeler and you just take off and you go through the fields and whoever can stand the longest wins. Um, I think of that. I think of my first gun, getting a 22 with a scope on it. Look out, it's Jason Bourne, okay? Those birds were terrified in my backyard. It was ruthless. <laughs> um, I think of birthday parties. I think of basketball and football games in my front and backyard. Think of like the Sunday morning worship playing through our house as we got ready for church. So that's what I think of. When I think of home, that's what I think of. And my wife and I, we love the idea of, of being home, of creating this environment where our kids can stay and that they want to stay in as they grow older. We want our home to be welcoming. We want our home to be peaceful uh, and clean as much as it can and full of life. But as you grow older and you begin to move from place to place to place to place, the idea of home and all of its luster, it can, it can start to become blurry or dull. And these homes just turn into houses that we stayed in for a while. I mean, it's funny because when we purchased our home here in Ypsilanti, we bought it knowing that our family's going to outgrow this in a few years. Like, it's good for now, but our family is going to outgrow this. Um, and so we we kind of started treating this home as like a rental. And we're like, hey, like, maybe we shouldn't hang that. Like, that's going to put a big hole in the, in, the, in the wall. And maybe, and so we kind of started to treat it like a rental. Um, because we had this house that was our home, but it wasn't like our home home. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't like our home home that we could just sit back and be like, we're just going to just turn this place into the best thing ever. And me and Trent, we have this idea of what our home like and on, home looks like. And honestly, it, it kind of looks like a compound, to be honest. Like, we're like, we want all of our family to just be together. We want our house. We want the kids' houses. We want the in-laws in the back. We want my mom in the back. We just, love you, mom. Love you, superwoman. My mother-in-law. Love you. I know they're watching online. Um, we'll get a house for you. Um, but we want to fit, you know, we want to fit our friends. We're like, let's just, just get a compound and, um, you know, a guest house for some of our friends. But, like, that's honestly what we desire. We just want to just live near all of our friends and all of our family on, like, this huge piece of land. Maybe we'll come up with a name and you'll hear about us in the news or something. Just <laughs> been watching way too many cult documentaries. Um, but, honestly, I wish that we could just go find some land, um, build all of these houses for people, and then we could just live there together. Um, and I think that that's Christ-like. Amen? I think... That that's Christ-like. Transition to the message. You like that? That was smooth. All right. So we're going to start off in John 14. And to give you some background, in chapter 13, this is where the Last Supper is happening. And so in chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Um, he lets them know that one of them is going to betray him. And that man subtly gets up and leaves the room um, awkwardly. He lets them know that he's going to be going somewhere that they cannot come. And at the moment, they're, they're just not going to be able to come with him. He has to leave, and they can't come with him. And so obviously, the disciples are heartbroken. They are, they're crushed. 
This is, this is Jesus. These, these 11 men are crushed. Their leader, their rabbi, their friend, their savior. He's saying, hey, I'm leaving and you can't come with me right now. And they're like, well, what do we do? What, what are you talking about? We can't come with you. And all, it can, all they can think is that they're losing Jesus. We're losing Jesus. We don't get to have Jesus in our lives anymore. We don't understand why he's not, he's speaking very, very cryptically. We don't understand. And so this moment carries into John 14. And so just because there's a new chapter in the Bible doesn't mean the setting's changed. It doesn't always mean that. So John 14 is just a continuation of John chapter 13. And so Jesus, you know, can feel the, the sadness in the room and so verse 1, verse 1 through 3, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. He's saying, hey, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back, and you get to come with me. Okay, so don't freak out. Take a deep breath. Thomas, Thomas, just chill. Chill for a second. And if you grew up like I did on the KJV, you would have read this, that in my, in my father's house are many mansions. <sighs> Sorry, I'm going to have to break a heart, break some hearts. Um, I, listen, I had always imagined what my mansion was going to. I was going to have a statue of me and Jesus right next to the driveway. We're going to have a huge pool, indoor basketball court, home theater, 27 bathrooms, a huge library of books, Chick-fil-A connected to it. That's open on Sundays after church. Um, that, that was what my mansion was going to look like. But that's actually a poor translation of that word. The actual word is rooms. I know. It's, I know. Everybody said, oh, come on. And a better description is actually apartments. Everybody said, are you serious? <laughs> Mansions to apartments. But that's a better, a better description of what Jesus is saying. You know, mansions are, are secluded, they're separated. Apartments are communal, right? And so in the Middle East in ancient times, I want you to think of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, they didn't live in houses, they lived in what? Tents. They lived in tents. They traveled and they lived in tents. And when their kids would grow up and marry, they wouldn't make another tent, they would add on to their own tent. And so, as the family grew, the tent, the tent grew. And so you just had these little dividers that would divide the rooms. And so you have this gigantic tent, all of these rooms. <laughs> it sounds horrible, to be honest. Can you imagine? Think about it. Just, just think about it for a second. It's hot. You're trying to sleep. And then your third cousin's son is just, just screaming so loud. And you're like, should we keep this whole tent thing? Are you sure we shouldn't separate them? Are you sure? But going back to the scripture, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And so the Bible mentions heaven over 500 times. And I believe that this is what Jesus is referencing here. He's saying, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you going to prepare a room for you. He's going to prepare a room in his father's tent. And so to prepare, it, it simply means to make something ready to be used. 
Make something ready to be used. And so this morning, I want you to know that God has a room with your name on it. God has a room with your name on the door, ready to be used. I'm thankful for the hope of heaven. I'm so thankful for the hope of heaven. Anytime I start to freak out and just be like, what is happening in the world? I just, God, one day, we're just, I'm not going to have to deal with, I'm not going to have to deal with all this craziness. Spam calls. Nope, no more. No more spam calls. And they're probably thankful because I mess with them when they call me. So they're probably, it's an equally, we're equally thankful for it. And so, so I think that Jesus is speaking about If I don't go to the cross and die, you have no access to God. You, you, don't, you don't have that access. And so I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to stand in that place that you should be taking, and I'm going to take on that sin, and I'm going to prepare that place for you. And the beauty of the Bible is that I truly believe that it's both. You know, we read so many prophecies in Scripture, and they have a, a near meaning and a distant meaning. And so I'm going to read it again. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So and then I'm going to read it in the NLT, which kind of makes it, because take you to myself, it's kind of, it kind of sounds a little weird. Uh, in the NLT, it says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus is saying, hey, I know I'm leaving. I know it's going to be a little crazy. But when I come back, we're together forever. We're together forever. When I come back, forever. And so we read about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. So I'm going to nerd out for a second, okay? With the Lord. The nerding is going to get worse, okay? Ready? Verse 15, that word coming is the Greek word parousia. Parousia. And this word is referred to the coming of the emperor or ruler to visit one of his territories. So think of like your movies, your gladiator, your 300. Like think about those movies where the the king would come and everybody would go out to greet him and bring him back into the city, right? That's this word. The citizens of the city would parade out to meet him at his coming and then they would escort him back into the city to take up his reign. And so Paul is speaking of Christ returning to rule over the new heavens and new earth because a similar meaning occurs in verse 17, same chapter, two verses later, where believers will be caught up in the clouds, literally, literally. If you're afraid of heights, you're good. Don't worry, okay? Jesus got you. We will literally meet, meet Christ in the sky for a meeting. And that word for a meeting is the Greek word apontesis. With the Lord. And the word apontesis, likewise, it refers to citizens going out from a city to meet a visiting dignitary whom they will then escort back to the city. So there's this moment that comes down, and we meet him in the sky, and then Christ will be with Christ, and he will usher us back down to the new heavens and new earth to rule and reign with him forever. So I know that was a lot, so I'm going to give you a quick recap, okay? Because after I wrote it, I was like, I need to remember what I just said. So Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. Those rooms are for us. And Jesus has gone to prepare those rooms for us. And he says, when everything is ready, I'm coming back. When I put the finishing touches on the paint, when the picture frames are level and there's plenty of orange juice in the fridge and there's Fruit Loops in the pantry, I'm, I'm coming back. 
And so he's going to come back so that we can be with him forever in the new heavens and new earth. That's where we'll have the many rooms. That, that's the place where he's saying, in my father's house are many rooms. And the earth as we know it will be destroyed because it cannot contain the glory of God. It cannot contain what's going to happen when Jesus comes down. And what I find interesting is that the current heaven is going to get destroyed too. And I always thought about it. I'm like, well, that's so weird. Like, why would you get rid of heaven? Like, why? Like, it's, it's heaven. Like, it's perfect, right? I mean, if you think about it, there's been a couple rebellions up there. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not completely perfect. And so, and so God is saying, I'm even going to have a new heavens. I'm going to have new heavens and a new earth. It makes me think that God truly wants to start fresh. Because it makes sense if you think about it. So God is going to get rid of this earth, he's going to get rid of this current heaven, and we're going to meet him in the sky, and then he's going to take us to our forever home, right? Anybody thinking of HGTV? He's going to take us to our forever home. No need for house hunters, it's going to be a perfect place. Like I think of, I think of, who watches Fixer Upper? I think of Chip and Joe standing in front of like the new heavens, new earth, and like, are you ready for your Fixer Upper? And they slide it, and you're like, wow, new heavens, new earth, this is incredible, if you didn't get that, please just go Google it or something. Um, and so, there's the new heavens, new earth. And in the new earth, there will be a city, which we know as, who knows it? New Jerusalem. I heard it. I heard it mumbled somewhere over here. Um, new Jerusalem. Everybody say, New Jerusalem. And so what's interesting about the New Jerusalem is that it almost seems like it's its, it's, its own planet. Because John... Um, John says in Revelation 21 verse 2, he says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride and adorned for her husband. And so John sees this and he's like, this city is huge. This city is, is gigantic. And I imagine John went into dad mode because he asks the angel how big, how big the, the city is. Like, I can see, like how, how big is that thing? Huh? And then the, and the angel, the angel's like, do you want me to measure it? <laughs> He's like, yeah, why don't you measure that thing? And so the angel measures the city. And I just imagine this very awkward um, conversation. But the angel measures it, and it's a perfect cube. It's 12,000 stadia, or 1,500 miles cubed, or 2,250,000 square miles, or about the size of our moon if it was a cube, right? All of the conspiracy theorists are like, yeah, that's what I thought, the moon, right? I know, and all the flat earthers are stuck on the cube thing. Um, you guys just calm down. Nobody's watching the links that you send us, okay? We love you, but we're not watching the links. Back on Christ, all right, back on Christ. So remember I said that, so I didn't say this yet. I'm getting ahead of myself. There are people that have studied this out much more than I have. I studied a little bit. There's a man named Henry Morris, who's an amazing author. If you have time, if you have like 30 hours to read a book, he has a book called The Genesis Record, and it's a scientific and devotional commentary on the book of Genesis. So it's very deep. But he sat down and he did some math on this whole New Jerusalem, the size of it. And um, this is what he said. He said, a city that size with those dimensions could safely fit 20 billion people. And that's only designating 25% of it for dwelling places. 
So he mapped it out like it's an actual city. So you have the other 75% of it for streets, for parks, public works, whatever that makes up a city and that each individual, each person of the 20 billion would have a cubicle block, 75 acres on each side. And so, guys, I'm not saying that's exactly what everything's going to look like. He just did some simple math. But that's crazy. That's crazy. That, that's, that's incredible to think about. And as fun as it is to think and dream and study about the future, about new heavens, new earth, our forever home with Jesus, how it's literally unimaginable, it, it's so fun to think about that. But remember how I said I feel like there are there, there could be two interpretations of this scripture. And so I want to I I just investigate the other one because I think it's worth investigating. Remember how I said that it could easily be interpreted as the cross as well, that Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that place is the cross. Verse three, I'm going to read it again. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And then skipping down in the same chapter, verse 23 says this. It gets interesting. Jesus answered him. He's talking to Thomas. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. That's present. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Same thing. Jesus is saying, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. It just might look a little different. The Holy, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to come and comfort you. And so could it be that Jesus was also, not only, he was also alluding to the fact that the cross was the place being prepared for us so that the veil would be torn and the spirit of God would break out of that room and now believers all over the world would not only have the hope of making heaven their home, but the hope of Jesus making his home inside of us. I'm gonna say that again. Could it be that Jesus was saying, listen, heaven's gonna be great. Your home in heaven's gonna be incredible one day. But right now, in the present time, until that happens, I want to make my home in you. I want to make my home inside of your heart. I want, I want you to prepare a place for me to come and rest. Could it be that this is what he was saying? I'm going to read verse 23 again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And if that's not clear, 1 Corinthians says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Jesus did not want to wait for his return to be close to you. He did not want to wait for his return to make his home in your heart. He, didn't, he loves you too much. He didn't want to wait. He wants to make his home inside of you right now. He wanted to share his home with you now. Because the only way, the only way for us to live with him in one of those rooms he has prepared for us is to make room for him to live in us now. That's the only way. 
That's the only way. The only way to, to get to that room with your name on it is that if he has his room in your heart right now, today. That's the only way. He even says that in the same chapter, John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the only way for you to get to one of those rooms that I'm talking about. You have to come through me. And listen, there are a lot of good people in this world. There are a lot of kind people in this world that say there are many ways to heaven. Good people, kind, loving people. But anyone that teaches anything outside of this verse... Telling the correct thing. Anyone that says anything outside of this verse is wrong. There is no other way. Jesus is the way. Just being a good person doesn't cut it. Just being kind doesn't cut it. Just being a loving person, those, those are great things, but that doesn't cut it. You have to go through Christ, which means he has to go through you. You have to go through Christ, which means he has to go through you. We're talking about the spirit of God, the presence of God. It has to come and reside inside of you. You know, when people look at us, they say, that's narrow-minded. Listen, you wouldn't believe how narrow-minded I am. You would not believe. When Christ renewed my mind, oh, I became so narrow-minded. The, the ideas that I was open to before Christ, they're just closed. I'm so, you, don't, you wouldn't know how narrow-minded I am. There are just some things that, I just, that we come across in today's world, and it's just like, that's not even an option. I'm, I'm, that's not even close. Yes, I am narrow-minded because Christ renewed my mind. I'm not open to these things anymore. Matthew 7 says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And so dreaming about your future home in heaven and what the new heavens and new earth are going to be like is super fun and exciting, but it's useless if you haven't allowed Christ to make his home in your heart today. Music, you guys, you guys can come. And as they come, I want to talk to you about somebody who found his home with God. I want to talk about Moses. If you think about Moses, you think about God's people. God's people talk about homelessness. 400 years in slavery. 400 years in a place that was not their home. And maybe, maybe you identify with this. Maybe you've been going from place to place, living your life without any sense of home, without any identity, wondering what your purpose is, wondering, should I stay here? Do I make roots here? Do I go to the next thing? Is this person that I'm with, are they the one? Am I supposed to marry them? Is this job the one? Am I, am I supposed to just make a career out of this? What, what am I, where, where do I make my home? Searching for what your purpose is, looking for a community, looking for a place and a people to call home, seeking rest and peace. Like, it, talk about the peace of mind when you know a decision is just made, right? When it's just made, there's just peace of mind. And the Israelites, they, they felt that way. 400 years in a place that was not their home. Then during the Exodus, wandering for 40 years, wandering for 40 years, homeless. No rest, no roots, no place to call home. And I don't know if you know this, but Moses wrote, wrote a psalm. And in Psalm 90, the first line, the very first line, Psalm 90, verse 1, Moses said, Lord, through all generations, you have been our home. Through all generations, you have been our home. 
And if anyone knows what homelessness is like, it's Moses. But Moses understood, God, no matter where our bodies have been, no matter where our bodies have been, you have always been the home for our soul. You have always been that resting place for our soul. No matter what crazy of a day, no matter if we got into a battle that day or if we, we, we were attacked by wild animals while we were traveling, no matter where we were, no matter what we went through, God, we could always look to you and say, you are our home through all generations. And so we read that. What does that mean for us today? It means no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are at this very moment, the same way that God was the home for the Israelites, he wants to be a home for you today. He wants to be a home for you today. We read all of those verses that Jesus is saying, I want to be in you and I want you to be in me, right? And we read these verses. Jesus says that all the time. If you abide in me and I abide in you, it's like, what, is, what does that mean? This is what that means. If you allow God to make his home in you, you can make your home in God. If you, if you allow him to abide in you, you can abide in him. God wants to make himself your home. You have to allow him to do that. You have to allow him. You have to just say, listen, God, I'm tired of wandering. I'm tired of this feeling of restlessness. I know there's so much up in the air, but this is what I do know, that I can make my home in you, that I can find rest for my soul in you, and that you can be everything that I am looking for, everything that I am in need of. You can be all of that. And so as I close today, I'm asking for three types of people to come forward. And the first, the first group is if you have never allowed Christ to make his home in you and everything I'm saying today and everything that you're feeling, there's something stirring inside of you and, you, and there's something inside of you saying, I want that. I, wa I want Christ to make his home in me. If that's you, when I'm done praying, I want you to come forward. The second group is for those that maybe you allowed Christ to make his home in you a long time ago. But just over time, Things have gotten distracting. There's a lot of clutter. And now your faith is in this, this dusty old box in the corner of your heart. If you want to recommit, if you want to say, hey, I'm evicting everything that's stopping you from making your room in me. If that's you, I want you to come forward when I'm done praying. And then the third group is for those that have said, God, is, God has made his home in my heart. I'm doing my best to just to just follow him. I'm doing my best to walk in unity with him. If that's you, I want you to come pray for those people in that first and second group. Amen. So everybody stand. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, come forward. If you are in need of prayer, let your pride down and come get prayer. God, we thank you. We thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your desire to make your home in our hearts. God, we thank you for your desire to be near to us right now. Thank you, God, that you didn't want to wait until heaven for us to live with you, for us to make our home with you. You wanted us right here, right now, God. So I pray that you convict us. I pray that you remove anything that's distracting, distracting us from you. 
and I pray that we can be open and that we can be vulnerable that for those that have never committed themselves to you to those that have never said Jesus I want you in my life that they would come forward that there would be people that want to recommit themselves this morning that they want to say I'm evicting everything that's in this room and I just want you to be in the room of my heart you and only you and I pray that you anoint those that are praying for them this morning so God we thank you for what you are about to do in these altars we thank you for what you're about to do in this room for what you're about to do for those online if you're watching online just comment pray for me please and so God we thank you and in Jesus name these altars are open and so I encourage you to come forward and if you are in need of prayer just grab somebody and say I need you to pray for me put your pride down and come get prayer this morning